Wait, you're doing a beauty pageant? I couldn't make my voice normal. And Coralie noticed, because then she was pointing at me. Yes, I am doing a beauty pageant, and don't judge. How else am I going to get noticed? In case you didn't know, I'm not lined up to be on The Voice anytime soon. Besides, my talent is singing, and you know I will kick every girl's tail. She took a bite of her bologna sandwich and talked through it. I'm going to be the next Casey Mus Musgraves, so you better be nice to me. I snorted and stole one of her fries. I thought beauty pageants were for five-year-olds with crazy moms. Who are they? Bert asked, and I was glad because it made Coralie stop giving me the stink eye. I turned to where he was pointing, just as obviously as Coralie. These two clearly hadn't spent a lifetime trying to blend in. I think that fact, more than the trailer thing, might have been the reason we were the only ones at that table. The table Bert pointed at was the only one besides ours where guys and girls were sat together. I'm surprised you don't know, Coralie says. Those are your kind of people, Bertie. Those are the mathletes. They're the smarties and they travel together doing math competitions and probably play chess in each other's townhomes on the weekends. I don't like math, Bert said, doing his slow blinking thing. I just like facts. I'm coming to learn that Bert isn't creepy weird like I thought. He's just a mega geek. If he lived back in Nashville, he'd probably have his own tribe of geeks just like him to calculate statistics and memorize all the former presidents of Lithuania. But here he's just about the only one. We had all these cliques back at home too, but our middle school was 400 people. Now in Mima's kitchen, I think about how easy it was to get lost in the crowd back home as I pull the shala, warm and golden, out of the oven. Grandpa wanders in first. He taps his knuckles on the countertop. Mm-hmm. Something is calling my name. I slice us both a piece and top it with a little butter and honey. I hand him his wrapped in a paper towel, and he eats it leaning against the counter. He looks a lot younger today in his jeans and cowboy boots. Maybe he's just more rested. I haven't heard him up and about in the middle of the night in a while, and the bruise on his nose is mostly gone now. Mima has told me more than once how they met. He was 19 and she was 15, and he rode up to her on a horse. Like he literally rode up to her on a black stallion and said, Would you do me the honor of a date? And it worked. He did rodeos back then. And she says he looked like God or the devil when he rode up to her, dressed all in black from head to toe, with his red hair shining. He took her to a fine Italian dinner, as he would say. I bet they split spaghetti like Lady and the Tramp. They got married when she turned 18, and that was that. I watched him now as he closes his eyes and chews slowly. Baby girl, 
This might be the best thing you have ever made. We're going to have to hide this from the women, or there'll be none left by supper time. He winks and wanders out again. It's stuff like this that makes me glad we're here. Even if mom has to drive me to school and carry me into the bath, and the squirrels will not shut up at six o'clock in the morning. You are coming to this game whether you want to or not. I can't think of anything I'd rather do less than watch a bunch of dudes run up and down the court while I sit in my chair at the end of the stands like a grandma. I am lying on Coralie's frilly white daybed and trying to stretch my toes. It's something Hutch has got me doing to help with the aches that keep me up at night. He might be the best PT I've ever had, but I'm not telling Mom, or she'll stop feeling sorry for me. Then I'd have to wave goodbye to the extra 10 minutes sleep in the morning and half hour of screen time at night. Nope. Coralie throws a stuffed unicorn at me. You do not get to pull the cripple card. I am singing the national anthem in front of God and the entire middle school, and I want my best friend there to witness. That catches me off guard. I've never had a best friend. Ever. The closest I came was in kindergarten when a girl named Pammy decided we would be friends and pushed my chair around on the playground at recess. This is way better. I want to hit pause on life for just a minute and savor it like the most perfect first bite of pie. But Coralie's aiming a pillow at me, so I say, okay, I'll come, but I'm bringing Bert. With all his brothers and sisters gone, I think he's lonely. Robots don't get lonely. Don't be like that. Like what? Like a townie. Oh, I was just kidding. You know I love that weirdo. The next night, I'm sandwiched between Mom and Bert in a crowd of people trying to file past concessions. I keep an eye out for elbows. I actually got a black eye once when we were waiting in line to see Santa at the mall. It's already 1,000 degrees in the gym. And even though middle school sports are like Mommy and me playtime compared to high school, there's still a pretty good turnout. I spot Sierra and her clones in the front row taking selfies. Coralie's nowhere to be found. She'll be warming up, no doubt, Bert says. Sounding suddenly British, which is what happens when he gets nervous. He's got on a Lakeview Lions sweatshirt, but there's a collared Oxford underneath. And instead of sneakers, he's wearing loafers with actual pennies in the tops. I guess I should give him points for trying at least. You two want anything from concessions? Soda? A Snickers? I know mom's asking only because she's looking for an excuse to get something herself. We hardly ever keep candy in the house. Payday if they have it, Bert says. Reese's for me, please. Bert, you would like an old people's candy bar. I tell him. Come on, let's get to the front. Coralie made me promise to take pictures. 
I let him steer me because it's just that crowded, and we get right up next to the rail of the stands. I spot Hutch squatting in front of the team in their folding chairs on the sidelines. He sees me and waves just as mom gets back. I didn't know he was a basketball coach, too. So, that's your gym teacher whom I spoke to on the phone, Mom says, and hands me a Sprite in my Reese's. It's already soft from the heat. Yeah, Hutch, Mr. Hutchinson. I watch her size him up like Mima does a melon that might possibly be rotten. And then the lights flash. And both teams stand and Coralie walks out like a queen to the middle of the court. Her hair is bigger than I've ever seen it, like Lego hair, and she's wearing a red, white, and blue skirted leotard. Under the court lights, she sparkles like a firework. She takes the microphone from the ref like a pro and leans toward the home fans as if she's about to tell them a secret. Evening. Pause. Y'all ready to salute our fine country? Pause. And then beat those badgers into submission? Everybody goes crazy, yelling and clapping and whistling or booing from the visitor's stance. The ref shakes his head. But Coralie just winks at everybody and turns to face the flag. She takes two deep breaths like she's about to dive and then starts. Oh, say can you see? It is low and strong and beautiful, and I am only just realizing I have never heard her sing for real. Normally, she's just humming in the van or singing half lines in her room. When she hits O, the ramparts we watched, it's like she is another girl altogether. And I have no trouble believing she'll be famous. It's so powerful, it shakes my heartbeat all up. Even mom has her mouth open in a big silent O. I forget to take my phone out for pictures until the end when Bert grabs it and starts framing shots. When it's over and the applause dies down, she turns back to the crowd, takes a bow, and then she says real low, Coralie out, and drops the mic. I whistle with two fingers like mom taught me. Hutch laughs and bends over to pick up the mic and hands it to the ref. Back on the stands, Sierra is pursing her lips like she's sucking on a gobstopper. I hope singing isn't her talent for the beauty pageant. Actually, I hope it kind of is. That was amazing, Coralie, honey, Mom says when Coralie runs over to us with a towel slung across her shoulders. She's breathing like she just ran the mile in a gym. Thanks, Mrs. Cohen, she says, and then turns to me. Did you get pictures? Bert hands over my phone. That's the last I see of it for the rest of the night. She plants a big smacking kiss on his cheek that turns him bright red and I laugh into my sleeve. None of us watch the game and the Lions lose by 10, but that night was a success. 
I don't even mind that not a single person spoke to me outside of Mom, Corley, and Bert. Three is enough. Three is more than I've ever had before. Chapter 9, Cupid's Arrow Mom is sitting on the floor in the living room with paper spread around her like a fan. It's another Friday night and Mima and Grandpa have gone to church for a potluck. I'm at the dining room table staring at one single blank sheet of paper. I have to give a speech on Monday and according to Mrs. Roman, it has to be a demonstration speech where I teach the class something. Other than wheelies in the chair and how to whistle with two fingers, I'm out of ideas. You want tea? I yell over my shoulder. Yes, please. And then after a minute, but honey, you don't have to scream. This house isn't big enough for that. I bring us two mugs of chamomile and the thin mints from Mima's Girl Scout cookie stash in the freezer. So what are you doing? I say, leaning over the papers. At first, I think they're essays she's grading because she's been subbing a lot for the teacher who just had a baby. But I didn't think they let subs grade papers. Careful there. She wipes crumbs off the top sheet and then starts to turn it over. But I catch a few words at the top and grab it. Autumn leaves assisted living? My throat closes up. What's this? She sets down her tea and sweeps her hand over the whole pile, gathering it up like a stack of cards. This Ellie is just in case. I've been talking with Dr. Hirschman and trying to come up with a plan for what to do when we can't take care of grandpa anymore. No. I roll back and hot tea from my mug sloshes over on my legs. That's why we're here, mom, to take care of him. So he doesn't have to go anywhere else. You heard me, Ma. We are family. This is what we do. Mom's the fixer. But putting Grandpa in a home isn't a fix. It's giving up. She's breaking all the rules. I've never wanted to get up and run out of the room more in my life. Ellie, listen. I know we're family, but I also know what happens when you leave it too long. It's not good for anyone. She rubs at her forehead. You think I want to put my father anywhere? She's acting like she's trying to talk it through with me, but she's not really. She's talking at me. She thinks because I'm 12, I won't understand. So that's it then? He does a few things that inconvenience people and we ship him off? I tip my chair back like a horse rearing up and then let it thump down hard. It's the closest thing I can do to a stomp, and it's not nearly good enough. She doesn't answer. I feel the tears start, and the words come before I can stop them. Is that what you'll do to me then, if I get to be too much for you to handle? Do you have a file of homes for me too? There, I've said it. 
the thing I've never even let myself wonder until now. Because mom would never do that. Except I never thought she'd put grandpa in a home. And here we are. I'm crying and I hate it. And I see her looking at me like she wants to cry or hug me. And I can't handle that either. No, Ellie. Oh, never. I don't want to hear it. I know she'd never really do it. But I feel dizzy. Like the air's been sucked out of the room. And I want to lay my head against something cool. A window pane. A glass of ice water. Until everything stops spinning. I roll away and down the hall so I can be alone in the dark. Everybody says what they want you to hear until they change their minds. I thought we had an unspoken code, mom and me. I thought we had, uh, excuse me, when dad left, when the seizures were so bad, when I hardly had a friend at school, when we came here, no matter what happened, we had each other. Because family is family, but I guess not. I guess family is only family as long as it's convenient. I mean, I know what's going on with grandpa is not like what's going on with me. I'm not getting sicker. I'm not a danger to myself or other people. It's different, but it feels the same. <laughs>